Hi, everybody. <laughs> Good to see y'all. Sorry for my hair. I, I, I forgot to look in the mirror today. <laughs> you know, I'm spending my life differently now, right? So uh, this is just now, to me, this is just now coming out of that quiet time into the public time. Um, so this is right on the cusp of it, right? Um, I've kind of settled into a routine. Uh, I don't know how long this routine will last because it's you know always subject to change. But um, basically what the routine is looking like is that I get up about five-ish in the morning. Uh, as always, as I always have, grab my coffee, move into, uh, you know, contemplation, reading, contemplation, inquiry, whatever happens. But what I've done now that I that I hadn't done before is I put a time limit on that. Because one of the things that I discovered, and I actually discovered this like a couple years ago, sometimes it takes you a long time to act on, on what you discover, right? Uh, Peace Pilgrim used to say, sometimes it takes a long time for the living to catch up to the believing, which re really what she meant was the seeing, right? Oh, I see this isn't good for me anymore, but then you keep right on doing it. How many of y'all have done that? <laughs> so a couple years ago, it seems like I noticed that, you know, I love, love, love contemplation, love contemplation. And I always have a resistance to meditation. So what can happen is I can sit there and contemplate for hours and then, you know, not have time for meditation. So what I have done is in the early morning, I have put a time limit on the amount of time, amount of time I'm allowed to contemplate because count contemplating is something I'm good at, right? This isn't something I need to improve. Now, obviously, if I'm ever in a deep looking, I will allow that time limit to go on by, right? Um, so all these all these things I'm telling you now are flexible within the day. But um, but 6 a.m. is my time limit for that morning contemplation. At 6 a.m., I get up. Uh, what I have discovered is that if I do about 15 or 20 minutes of yoga, the meditation is much easier. So, and I've never done yoga before. So I went on the internet and I have created this playlist on my private channel, which is, is just a bunch of short beginner yogas. You know, they're all very short, 15 to 25 minutes. Um, so when I get up at six, I go and I do yoga. And then I go from yoga directly into meditation. So I'm typically beginning meditation by about 6.30. And I still do have a time limit but the time limit isn't until 8.30. The reason I have a time limit at 8.30 is I got a dog that has to be walked, right? Has to go to the bathroom. Uh, and I know that. So, uh, so, but I get that two hours of meditation time and it seems to be really nice quality. What was happening before was, again, I was contemplating too long for me at this stage. Then it would be time to, I would contemplate all the way till 8.30. And then it would be time to walk alley. And then I'd come back and have breakfast. And then I would try and meditate. And I would just, I was lazy, right? I was lazy. So doing it earlier, followed by the yoga, which invokes the mindfulness, paying attention to the body the way you do with yoga. I'm having, you know, much better, meaning much more alive, uh, much more engaged, even though it's restfulness and watching, but it doesn't have that laziness to it, you know? It's that uh, 
effortless effort that Adyashanti points to in the true meditation. Um, so anyway, I meditate till 8.30 and then I do have to stop, uh, take Ellie for a walk, have breakfast. By the time that's done, it's around 10 a.m. And this is when I can go back to contemplation. Uh, and sometimes the contemplation then turns into a second meditation. So, uh, so uh, it's nice because when I end the, med the contemplation at 6 a.m., I know I get to come back later, right? You know, so, so at 10 a.m., I come back and I don't get lazy in contemplation the way I was in meditation. It's because it, probably because it's just more active anyway. Uh, but sometimes it does lead to meditation. It did this morning. So it's this morning I meditated again for another hour. Um, and so I stay in that period of contemplation, maybe more meditation until around 1130 at 1130, uh, I do about 30 minutes of exercise. Just, you know, I, I love to work out. I've always loved to work out, you know, so I'll do aerobics or weights. And we have a gym in our house, an entire gym better than most hotels. So I go to the gym and I work out for half an hour and then I shower uh, have lunch and one o'clock I'm ready for my public day. So that's kind of the routine that I, that's, that's, that's appearing right now, which I, I'm really enjoying it, but that's why I was able to come in today and, and listen at this last little part. You notice I had my screen off. That's when I, that was my lunchtime, right? So you, I'm, you might see me in here on Wednesdays because by then I'm, I've already moved into the lunchtime part of the day and that way I can come in and listen. Uh, I enjoyed listening to Anne. I was laughing my ass off is what was happening on this end of the camera. <laughs> I'm sure some of you maybe were too. Uh, it, it's funny when I commented on her homework and, and sent it to her later, this thought arose. I wonder if she even noticed uh, what I was pointing out, but clearly she did. <laughs> so it was lots of fun to hear that and the way the way she expressed it. But, you know, it, it is funny. And now that you turned your camera on, I'll talk directly to you instead of about you. You know, you did get that that realization that I hate this feeling was a thought. And uh, and, you know, you were talking about in that root cause inquiry how you were afraid it was endless. And I know that what you've realized now, because I listened to you, is if you keep giving attention and belief to that thought, it is, you know, <laughs> right? It is, it is endless. You know, you, we create our own experiences, as you all know, what I think I see, what I see I experience, what I experience, I think. Um, so I'm really grateful that, you know, my little bitty comment uh, stood out to you in such a big way. That's, that's really important. Uh, I remember many years ago, uh, I think it was before we even started awakening together. I'm pretty sure it was, but I'm, it might be right after we started awakening together, but it was many years ago. No, I think it was before. It was before awakening together. Um, I was reading The Untethered Soul for the second time, I think. And I got to chapter 15, where he teaches uh, unconditional happiness as a path to enlightenment or awakening. And when I read that, I felt like that was my path now. Prior to that, maybe it wouldn't have been exactly right, but it just felt like, yes, happiness is my path. So 
I took a vow of happiness. You know, like some people take a vow of celibacy or a vow of poverty. I took a vow of happiness. And I had been living relatively happy already uh, for a couple of, you know, for at least a couple of years. Uh, you know, my, my, the primary part of my um, purification process, you know, which Dr. David Hawkins would have called the courage stage, that pretty much ended in 2009. And I moved into the next stage, which I forget what he calls it, but it's kind of a break, like a break in the action where you have relative, relative peace. So I had been living in that relative peace when I took the vow of happiness. Funny that the vow of happiness is what moved me on, huh? But I took the vow of happiness and, and it seemed like it should be very, very easy to do because I had been happy for the last you know, two or three years, <laughs> relatively easy. But what happened right after, like the, the next day, uh, right ha happened after I took the vow of happiness is there was a, a blow up in, in my house. Now, uh, by blow up, I mean the people in the house and, and disagreements. And I know that happens in a, a lot of households and you wouldn't have thought anything of it, but it actually doesn't happen here. It just doesn't happen here. Uh, and and uh, so it was very unusual for this blow up to happen. You know, Jasmine got mad, went in her room and slammed the door. Danielle, who lived with me at the time, got mad and left and slammed, slammed that door. And I felt very, very, very frustrated. And, you know, I also felt, you know, temporarily like a failure because, you know, I, I just took a vow of happiness yesterday and here I am so incredibly frustrated, right? With this situation. <laughs> and I was in the kitchen at the time. So I just sat down right there in the kitchen floor. And um, let me see if I can remember exactly how this happened. I don't remember exactly how the message came. So this might be on an audio somewhere. You might know better than me, but basically the, the message that came to me, the realization, the insight that came to me was that um, the vow of happiness meant that I needed to be happy with everything, not that I needed to be only happy. There's a big difference. I needed to be happy with feeling frustrated. That's the insight that came in. And see, that's the mistake that we make, right? That's the mistake that we make. We, we make the mistake of thinking some feelings are positive. We might even label them as spiritual. We label, label, label them as good. You know, and as long as I'm feeling those feelings, everything's okay. I'm okay, <laughs> most specifically, right? <laughs> But if these feelings show up, they're bad, they're definitely not spiritual, uh, and something is wrong with me if I'm feeling them. And that's our mistake. That's called judgment. That's called duality. We all know that judgment and duality are mistakes, right? So this is what I learned on that first you know, 24-hour period of my vow of happiness is that the vow of happiness was to be happy with whatever arose. That doesn't necessarily mean that I'm feeling happy. Do you see the difference? 
Yeah. And, and later, you know, as course, um, you know, as we did start awakening together and as I did start writing different programs here and I pulled in the loving all method from Michael Langford, you know, his instructions are so deeply clear about that, right? You don't just love your, you know, positive thoughts. You also love your negative thoughts, right? You don't just love it if someone comes up and tells you how wonderful you are. You also love it if somebody comes up and tells you how awful you are. And, and last night, you know, I listened to you all in the uh, early insights where you were talking about acceptance. And, and this was very, very clear to everyone as you were discussing it, you know, very, very clear that you're love or accept everything. And so now I'm going to talk about Anne right in front of her face, but only because she's an example of all of us. Definitely not singling her out. We all are the same. She's just a good example right now. So what she wasn't seeing was she was hating a feeling. And now what has arisen to her as a possibility is maybe this feeling can come and I can step into, well, accepting it is the word we typically use around here. Enjoying it is the word I used in her homework. And loving it is the word that Michael Langford uses in the Loving All Method. Be happy with it was the insight that came when I took a vow of happiness. You see how these are all the same. Uh, I heard Marisol last night uh, talk about something going on with her. She didn't say exactly what it was, but she said she used the word hate. She said she could see now that hating it was keeping it in place. You see? So this acceptance or loving all method or vow of happiness or whatever you want to call it, it's non-judgmentalism is what it is, is such a magnificent practice. But it doesn't mean you always feel happy. It doesn't mean you always feel love. It doesn't mean you always feel like you're accepting it. It means even that which is going on with, within you you're being happy with that. You're loving that. You're accepting that, even though it's not what we would call those words, right? And my guess is that if Anne is able to move past hating her feelings and move into not only allowing them, you know, because I know that she sometimes white knuckle allows, right? We all know that. She's told us not only allowing them, but literally learning to enjoy the experience, eventually uh, it, there will be an end. And in fact, another, I, I'm sure I've told this story before, another thing that really stood out to me, I happened to see a scene. I haven't even seen the whole movie of Ella, which is that movie about Cinderella when she comes up into New York. Uh, but I saw a scene where she was in an apartment with a man. I think it might have been Prince Charming, but I'm not sure since I haven't seen the whole movie. But he does something and she gets really mad at him. Oh, Enchanted. Is that what it's called? Okay, she says it's called Enchanted. But anyway, she gets really mad at him and she's yelling at him and she's very angry. And then all of a sudden she goes, oh, this is what anger feels like, because, you know, in, in her world, there's just there is just la, 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 bluebirds singing on your shoulders. <laughs> and she gets so excited. Gets so excited to to experience that anger and to see how it looks. 
And, and I remember when I saw that scene, I thought, that's it, right? That's unconditional happiness. Just being happy with whatever arises and not asking it to look in a specific way so that I can be happy with it. You see the difference? See the mistakes that we make? So thank you, Anne. Uh, so we are here for Out of the Stillness. Oh, wait, I think I need seven steps to awakening. I haven't been here for two weeks, so I've kind of forgotten what I'm doing. I hope I have it up here. If not, we may have to run downstairs together. Okay, you guys want to see my gym? <laughs> we got to go get um, seven steps to awakening. I think it's in my office. So let's go get it. I didn't have my head on. So here's my gym. Uh, let's see if I can show it to you. There's the weight bench, uh, the weights, the weight bench, right? The kind of Stairmaster kind of machine. Wait, is it, yeah, there it is. You can see it kind of. Uh, the treadmill, the weight machine. And then what I have over here um is a tv with lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of workout videos can you see all them so and i haven't been using it in the last couple of years i used it after jamie died um because i had you know in my limited time that i had in the morning i could use it um but then when I got Ellie, I had to use that time to walk her. So I haven't actually used my gym in about two years. And so that's why I'm one half hour of my morning time, I'm back to using a gym because it just seems kind of wasteful to have all this down here and you know just dust it every now and then, right? So it's, that's a fun part of being retired is getting to use my gym again. All right. Now we're ready to go. Oh, that goes on this side. All right, so uh, we're gonna start today with quote 173. So 173 in the seven steps to awakening. One's limited understanding and one's own notions are the cause of bondage. That's what we just talked about, isn't it? That our notions, like I hate this feeling, are the cause of our bondage. One's limited understanding and one's own notions are the cause of bondage and liberation is their absence. 
right? So when I no longer have the thought, I hate this feeling, I'm free. One's limited understanding and one's own notions are the cause of bondage and liberation is their absence. Hence, abandon all notions. Hence, abandon all notions. So let's see what I wrote in my journal out of the stillness. If I am feeling a sense of bondage now, where is that sense of bondage coming from? It is coming from the thoughts I am listening to and believing now. To be free from this present sense of bondage, free my attention from these thoughts. Return attention to the heart and ask for its current moment guidance. In its current moment guidance, I find freedom. In its current moment guidance, I am presently free. So I want to really focus on this first paragraph. If I am feeling a sense of bondage now, where is that sense of bondage coming from? It is coming from the thoughts I am listening to and believing now. I learned to get very, very good at this. Uh, that as soon as I started feeling something other than peace, happiness, joy, to look and see what I just believed that quick, boom, boom. And that's what this is saying. You know, you don't have to go digging up your past, uh, although sometimes that can be helpful. Uh, you don't have to do anything, but look at where is my attention right now? Because your present feeling, your present emotion is coming from your present attention. You've heard the statement that cause and effect are one, right? That's what this is really referring to. Your present feeling is coming from your present thought. And so it's really helpful to look and see, you know, what, what thought was there just now that I was believing. And I began to discover um, that this, <laughs> this was huge. This affected a lot of things. Like, uh, we're going to go back to that hate word. We, you know, I don't know if you use the hate word. Clearly, Anne does. Uh, Marisol sounded like she used it. I definitely used it. Um, you know, like, I hated doing dishes. I hated pulling weeds. I hated um, putting laundry away. So, you know, I'd be one of those people that would leave the laundry sitting in the dryer for days because I hated putting laundry away. And then I noticed through this process, you know, like when the thought came, oh, shit, I got to go di do dishes. I noticed how that felt. You know, I noticed I felt, you know, um, dread. So I would look. You know, I mean, this isn't peace. This isn't happiness. This isn't joy. It's dread. So I would look. Oh, I just thought I hate doing dishes. That's the cause of my dread right there. I believed a thought. I believed I hate doing dishes. And out of a belief, I hate doing dishes. I have this horrible experience. 
<laughs> of procrastination, dread, you know, hating dishes. And so I literally decided to let go of that thought. Now, the thought, of course, was a habit because I'd hated doing dishes probably ever since I was a kid when mama used to make us, right? But what happened now is now I'm aware that I was unconsciously believing a thought and therefore having an experience. So now when I would, when it comes supper time and time to do the dishes and I would see that thought arise, I hate doing dishes, I would literally say that is just a thought. And I would get up and go do dishes. Just get up and go do them, you know? Would you believe, and if my family was here, they could attest to this, every one of my mom, Jasmine, Ron, I love doing dishes. In fact, I don't even use the dishwasher. I go in there, I fill up the sink with soapy water and I wash the dishes. In fact, that's when Ann was teaching, I, the first 10 minutes I was eating and the last, you know, the next 10 minutes I was filling the sink with soapy water and doing dishes. So I was standing there doing dishes, laughing my ass off at Ann. <laughs> um, <laughs> I didn't hate doing dishes. I believed a thought. I also, you know, I don't hate folding clothes. When they're done drying, I go get them out of the dryer and I fold them and I put them away, usually humming or something. I don't hate, I don't hate them. Um, those are just thoughts. And so that's what number 173 is saying. If I am feeling a sense of bondage now, if that's how I feel in some way, a sense of bondage now, where is that sense of bondage coming from? It's coming from the thoughts I'm listening to and believing now. So look, what am I believing? Right? Another, another uh, thought that I found that was extremely common in my mind, very similar to the I hate thought, it was the I have to thought, which was the obligation. Some of you guys refer to it as the should, the obligation. Do you know if we think of something as an obligation, we're not going to feel good about it? There's just no way. But the fact that it's an obligation, the way that that judgment that we're putting on, when we put that judgment on it, what we're really saying is, this is something I have to do that I don't want to do. But that's not true. That's a thought. What if I just took that thought out and I just do whatever arises in front of me to be done without the thought, I don't want to do it, I have to. You see? There's, there's actually no such thing as an obligation. There may be things that come to you to do. There's things that come to everybody to do, but that whole sense of burden that we put on it is an interpretation that we carry in our minds. You know, I once heard somebody say something like, I don't remember the exact details, but it was something like, well, if you hate doing dishes, you should just quit doing them. No, you should let go of the thought that you hate doing dishes. I mean, it, you got to do, I mean, you know, without obligation, <laughs> I don't know how to say this, without the thought of obligation, you do have to do the dishes because what you don't want is what's going to happen in that kitchen if you don't do the dishes. Do you agree with me on that? That's what you don't want. 
right? You actually do want to do the dishes. You don't want every dish in your house covered with crustiness and, you know, depending on where you live, maybe attracting bugs or rats or mice or that's what you don't want. So you see, and we say, and same thing, you don't want all your clothes to be dirty, do you? You don't want to open your drawer and not have underwear to wear, do you? <laughs> you want to wash your under, you know, you, these things we want to do. So we're lying to ourselves when we say we don't. When you say you don't want to go to work if you still, you know, work for money, but you want money, don't you? If you say you don't want to pay bills, but you want the electricity on, don't you? I mean, you know, so you see, we lie to ourselves. We actually do want all these things, right? We do want every single one of them. And so we just have to realize that we're lying to ourselves. We're keeping ourselves in bondage by saying, I don't want to, I hate doing this. I don't like doing this. Another one, nobody appreciates me for doing this. Well, they don't have to appreciate you. Whoever said they had to appreciate you? I don't know if Ron appreciates me doing dishes. I never asked him but I want to do the dishes. I want a clean kitchen, right? So whenever I'm feeling in bondage, it's because of the thoughts I'm giving my attention to. And those thoughts aren't truths. You know, one thing Anne said, I wish I could remember her exact words because it was brilliant. One thing Anne said when she was going through the root cause inquiry and she came to that part where you know, I hate this feeling. And then I had written in her homework, that is just a thought. You know, she said, a thought, you know, like it never occurred to her that was just a thought. To her, she was getting to the truth. The truth was she hates this feeling. It never occurred to her that it was just a thought. You see, and that's what we think. We think it's a truth that I hate doing dishes. It's a truth that I don't want to work for a living. It's a truth that people should appreciate me. Those things aren't truths. Those aren't truths. You know, we think it's a truth. Our children should respect us. We think it's a truth. Our children should call us once a week. That's the bullshit. And the way you can tell that's the bullshit is because that's what's making you unhappy. That's what's keeping you in bondage. If we let go of those things that aren't truths, right? If we let go of those things, then there's nothing to interrupt our peace. So anytime our peace is interrupted, it's because we're believing an untruth. And if I'm, my peace is interrupted now, the untruth is here now. So just look really fast. Ooh, what did I just give my attention to? Right? It's that simple. So let me read from the seven steps to awakening again, and then we'll go back to my journal. So again, the seven steps to awakening said, one's limited understanding and one's own notions are the cause of bondage and liberation is their absence. Hence, abandon all notions. And I love how he says, abandon all notions. He doesn't say, except for that one where your kids should respect you, because that's a truth. <laughs> except for that one where you hate to do dishes because that's true you actually do hate to do dishes right <laughs> he says right he says that this this limited understanding of what we are of course and the thoughts that we're believing in our mind they are the cause of our bondage so to be free 
abandon all notions, right? Abandon all notions. And then again, in my journal, when I was contemplating this, I wrote, if I am feeling a sense of bondage now, where is that sense of bondage coming from? It is coming from the thoughts I am listening to and believing now. To be free from this present sense of bondage. Free my attention from these thoughts. Return attention to the heart and ask for its current moment guidance. And somehow that's what I did in the kitchen floor that day when I was upset with feeling frustrated. You know, I don't, I don't remember exactly what I asked or how the insight came, but what I remember as I was sitting in the kitchen floor was realizing to keep my vow of happiness, I need to be happy with feeling frustrated. Do you know I felt instantly better when I had that insight? The frustration didn't actually last too long after that. It, was, it wasn't as easy to be happy with frustration as it sounds because the frustration went away pretty quickly <laughs> after I realized that. But you know, you, you asked for your current moment guidance. The current moment guidance that I received that day that when I was feeling frustrated was to be happy with feeling frustrated. The current guidance I felt when I was hating doing the dishes was just let that go and go do the dishes, <laughs> right? Let that go and go do the dishes. And I know that all this current moment guidance, all these little bitty guidances that I have listened to have been valid because I know my experience now, right? And I know that my experience now is dramatically different from most of you all. And certainly dramatically different from the experiences that I used to have. And the reason that this has occurred is because I have asked for guidance. And then I have followed guidance. So if the guidance is, as soon as you notice that you're not at peace, or you're not happy, look, see what thought you're believing and let it go. That's the practice I began to engage in. It kind of reminds me of Peace Pilgrim when she talked about how if she noticed that she was, uh, if, the, if she noticed she was doing something she shouldn't be doing, you know, like believing a thought, she knows she was doing something she shouldn't be doing. She said she chose a quick relinquishment. I love the way she says that, a quick relinquishment, <laughs> you know? Because the faster you let it, let it go, the faster you realize this doesn't serve me, the faster you realize this is my bondage, right? The faster you realize, I don't really want this anymore. This is just, ah, let it go. The faster you're free. A quick relinquishment. Now, it isn't always that easy. That's when you have to get into like journaling. Sometimes you need to look at something a little longer before you realize you want to let it go. You know, like maybe this idea that my children re should respect me. Maybe that's so deeply ingrained in you from when you were a child and your mother said you had to respect her and you got in trouble when you didn't, right? Maybe that's so deeply ingrained in you 
that you really have to journal about it. You really have to look at it. You really have to see that it's your bondage before you choose to let it go. Because see, somehow you're accidentally thinking that it's the key to your happiness. If my children would just respect me, I'd be happy, right? So you think it's the key to your happiness when it's actually your bondage. So, so uh, one rule that I always followed with myself was if I could let it go immediately, I did. In other words, I didn't journal on every single thought. I didn't have to journal on, uh, I hate to do the dishes. I saw, ah, okay, that's all right. I'll go do dishes. You know, I, I saw, I was clear. I went and did dishes. Now I may have had to repeat that process a few times, but I never, ever journaled on that thought. It wasn't that hard. It was easy to see that it was a problem, right? But then there were other things that were much harder and that I had to really journal on. Some things I would journal on three or four paragraphs and then I could let it go. Some things I would journal on for days or weeks or in the case of unworthiness for years before I finally was able to let it go, right? Um, but back to my rule, but my rule was if I could just let it go, I would. If this was a thought I could look at, I could see the wisdom of, of letting it go and let it go, I would. If it was more challenging and I had to journal on it, I would. And if it was so challenging that I had to rest, accept, and trust before I even journaled, I would do that. Those are the three levels that I experienced. You know, we could call it easy, more challenging, and oh my God, <laughs> right? <laughs> easy, let it go. More challenging, journal on it. Oh my God, rest, accept, and trust. You see? And then you might rise back up to challenging and then you can journal on it, right? So if I am feeling a sense of bondage now, where is that sense of bondage coming from? It is coming from the thoughts I am listening to and believing now. To be free from this present sense of bondage Free my attention from these thoughts. Return attention to the heart and ask for its current moment guidance. In its current moment guidance, I find freedom. In its current moment guidance, I am presently free. So um, I'm going to move to 175 next. From the seven steps to awakening, you are deluded because you do not recollect repeatedly and frequently the truth concerning the infinite consciousness, but you partake of the poison of self-limitation and the consequent psychological conditioning. Yeah, well, you know, I think Jesus in the Course in Miracles said we are insane. You know, when I read it now, what I really want to say is this just shows how stupid we are. <laughs> you know, I look back on that I am bad belief and, you know, I know that many of you, if not all of you are still kind of caught up in it and it won't last forever. 
but I remember when I was caught up in it, boy, did I think it would last forever because I thought it was true. I mean, how do you get out from under, you know, the being truly unworthy? Um, but it does eventually pass if you just keep at it, keep at looking at it and looking at it and looking at it and having willingness to let it go. But when I look back on it from here, it doesn't make any sense. And it doesn't make sense to me when I hear you all expressing it about yourselves. It just doesn't make any sense that we should partake over and over and over again of self-judgment. But we do, which is why I say we're pretty stupid. I mean, it, just, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. And we do it anyway, you know? I mean, when I started noticing how many times a day my mind judged me, I couldn't believe it. It's like constant. You know, it's like constant. And so that's what this is saying is, you know, you, you spend all day long partaking on this poison. Um, when actually instead you should be spending all day long contemplating truth and you wonder what your problem is. Well, there it is right there. Where's your attention? I mean, <laughs> there it is right there. That's what this quote says. Where's your attention? You are deluded because you do not recollect repeatedly and frequently the truth concerning the infinite consciousness. But you partake of the poison of self-limitation and the consequent psychological conditioning. Your attention's in the wrong place. That's your problem. That's what this says. So let's see what I wrote in the journal. Time, while it still appears to exist, can be an ally in awakening. Use time to focus on the heart. Use time to notice the truth of who you are. Use time to stay in touch with the guidance of the heart and to follow it lovingly, humbly, in present joy, obedience. Mind wastes time. Heart embraces it. Spend time in embrace until the idea of time is no more. So basically what this says is shift how you're placing your attention. Use your attention, use place attention differently. Uh, Shauna texted me this morning and told me there were, or was it last night? I think it was last night, Shauna texted me and told me there were uh, 29 people in the room uh, for the new um, 500 days of NTI program. Well, here's what I hope for those 29 people and any others who may be participating but didn't show up last night. I hope you do the homework. I hope you do the homework. I really hope you do the homework. Because that's what the homework is designed to do. 
is designed to shift your attention from partaking of poison all day to contemplating God all day. And it starts very simple. Like in the beginning, you're like, read this twice, you know? Read this twice today. It's like, ah, oh, this is, you know, nothing's going on here. No, nothing's going on except the very beginning of a new habit. Pretty soon that's going to increase and it's going to increase and it's going to increase. I uh, am on day 29. Uh, Jacqueline made a funny little mistake or Rhoda or whoever did it. Somebody made a funny little mistake. When they first posted about this program starting, they posted in December and they posted that, um, you know, it was going to start on January 8th. But the, the thing that you clicked on said, start now <laughs> in that post, even though it was in December. But what happened to me when I was reading this post and I got to the start now was I saw that as a direct order. So I started right then. Uh, that must have been 30 days ago because right now I'm on day 29. This evening, I'll sit down to begin day 30 because really the new day begins in the evening. That's how the program was designed. So today I'm on day 29. And today, here's what I am supposed to do. Let me, I put it in my phone. So day 29, I'm supposed to read this six times throughout the day and contemplate it each time I read it. Don't just read it and put it down, but read it and contemplate it. Is separation the final resting place of my faith? Or am I willing to put my faith in life and love and one? And after I read that, I ask myself, okay, so what do I want? How much do I want it? In my heart, by the way, you can't hear the answers. The answers are coming from the God feeling. So you can't hear the answers. They are, they're arising as I'm asking the questions though. You know, what do I want? How much do I want it? How much am I willing to give? And give here means attention and time and reflection. How much am I willing to give for life and love and one? Am I decided? Amen. And then I come up here and I put a little hatch mark because I, let's see, so there's another little hatch mark. So let's see, I've done this now. One, two, three, four, five times today. One more time today before I move on to tomorrow's homework this evening. I hope you do the homework. You know, that's what's accomplishing something. So far, and again, I'm only on day 29, again tonight, day 30. We haven't gotten to the meditations yet. They'll come later. You know, when I sit down to do this in the evening, you know how long it takes me at this point? Five minutes. Five minutes. I heard some, <laughs> I've heard more than one person say, uh, they can't do it every day. So they're going to take longer to do it and skip some days. Five minutes. How can you not do that every day? I mean, five minutes. Here's why you can't do it every day, because you're more interested in partaking of this poison of self-limitation. 
That's why you can't do it every day. You are deluded because you do not recollect repeatedly and frequently. That's what 500 days is teaching you to do. You are, and this is why you don't want to take a single day off. Do it 500 days right in a row. You are deluded because you do not recollect repeatedly and frequently the truth concerning the infinite consciousness, but you partake of the poison of self-limitation and the consequent psychological conditioning. This is your problem. So going back to my journal, I got to find it now because I switched to NTI. Here we go. Time while it still appears to exist, can be an ally in awakening. Use time to focus on the heart. Use time to notice the truth of who you are. Use time to stay in touch with the guidance of the heart and to follow it lovingly, humbly, in present joy, obedience. Mind wastes time. Heart embraces it. Spend time in embrace until the idea of time is no more. Um, last night I received an email. And in fact, by the time I looked at the email, it was after eight. And, you know, I go to bed at nine. So by eight, my brain is starting to shut down. I couldn't even understand this email. I read it like three times. <laughs> I'm like, okay, apparently I'm going to have to come back to this in the morning. And even though right now I'm not in a stage of doing email in the morning, this person needed an answer. And so I knew I would just have to come back to it in the morning. And, and so I did, I, I opened up email this morning and I looked at it and I, and I could understand it this morning. Boy, what a difference alertness makes. <laughs> but um, it was from another spiritual group, uh, the Association of Spiritual Integrity, I think is what it's called, ASI. I think it's Association of Spiritual Integrity. And um, what they asked me to do was be a group leader in a uh, peer, uh, it's a peer group thing, peer group gathering, a uh, regular gathering of peers, uh, spiritual teachers, talking about the challenges of being a spiritual teacher. Uh, so I opened the email, I read it, and then the, she said, you can get all your details from, from this. And it, it sent me to a, a training website uh, where there was training on how to be a, a leader. And I went through the training this morning. So that's what I did during my hour before meditation today. Um, and then I wrote her back. And, you know, my when I wrote her back, it was like, you know, I, I'm just not sure. You know, I said, I'm just not sure about this. I, I, you know, I just retired for the purpose of meditating and contemplating more. And I don't know how much time this will take. Can you tell me more about it? Sent the email. 
went into meditation because then it was 6 a.m. So I went into meditation. Actually, it was 6.20. So I skipped yoga this morning because all of that took longer. So I skipped the yoga, went directly into meditation. When I came out of meditation, I knew the answer was no. No. You know, that's not what this time of retirement has been given for. You know, it's not given to fill it up with more responsibilities. I mean, I have some responsibilities, don't get me wrong. Sean and I have been working our butts off lately for the Fort Condo HOA in La Vida. You know, I mean, I have, I have some, and they, these responsibilities that I have feel right. They feel right. But adding more does not feel right. You see, mind wants to waste time. You know, mind, I mean, just very briefly, because I didn't go into it, but mind was a little excited about this opportunity to be a leader in front of a bunch of other spiritual teachers. I mean, a leader of spiritual teachers now. How cool does that sound? You know, maybe I could rise up, you know, rise up. No. Inner guidance says, no, I mean, it's not even a discussion. I remember I was in a meeting with, with, with Rhoda last week and we were looking at something and said, I don't even know why there's a discussion. <laughs> you know, the answer is no. That's what this was. There's no discussion. The answer is no. I mean, just, it's easy. Like, why are we even talking about it? The answer is no. So I wrote her back and I said, no, you know, no, that's the guidance. She's like, I understand. That was the end of it. But that's also what this quote is talking about. I mean, that's not the quote, but the journal entry. It's talking about that time has a purpose. And it's pointing out that mind wants to waste that time. It doesn't want us to use it for that purpose. You know, if you are in 500 days, you're going to be watching a lot of videos by a guy named Leo Gura. Some of you guys have already been through 500 days. You already know who Leo is. Great videos, by the way. But there's this one video you're going to get to where Leo says something like, the only thing the ego has to do is get you to waste time until the body dies. And then it wins. That's a pretty powerful sentence, don't you think? It's the only thing the ego's got to do. It's just got to get you to waste time until the body dies. And then the ego wins. Let's read this quote from the seven steps one more time. We're almost out of time. But you are deluded because you do not recollect repeatedly and frequently the truth concerning infinite consciousness. That's what we should be doing with our time, right? We should be uh, recollecting repeatedly and frequently the truth concerning infinite consciousness. That's what we should be doing with our day. But instead, we partake of the poison of self-limitation and the consequent psychological conditioning. I hate doing dishes. <laughs> I'd rather think that than think about God. So the journal entry. Time, while it still appears to exist, 
can be an ally in awakening. Use time to focus on the heart. Use time to notice the truth of who you are. Use time to stay in touch with the guidance of the heart and to follow it lovingly, humbly, and present joy obedience. Mind wastes time. Heart embraces it. Spend time in embrace until the idea of time is no more. So again, I say, if you're taking the 500 days with NTI, I hope you do the homework. If you happen to not know what 500 days with NTI is, uh, you can just go to awakening-together.org. You'll find 500 days with NTI right on the menu bar and you can read all about it. It's a self-study program, even though some people are choosing to do it as a group and I support that decision. But if somebody is watching this video at another time and you miss the boat with the group, that doesn't mean you miss the boat. Right? You can go start that self-study program at any time and help reverse the way you're using time now. All right, that's it. I'll see you guys again next week. Bye.